think about media because um, as entrepreneurs, you think about advertising, but you do not think about media. 80%, 90% of entrepreneurs don't even think about it. And they're not familiar with a, a ton of opportunities that are even free. I'm talking about earned media that are free with a little investment of time, you know, to look to see what, not just putting out press releases, but to look at some of those resources that we talked about that are free, like Arrow and those kind of things, to see mm. where media is looking for sources, where you might be a source. And don't be afraid to put, a lot of that's mindset too, is mm. people think of people being quoted or people on the, you know, on the award stage as somebody else and they're just, they're just, but that you, you're an expert too. You wouldn't be doing what you're doing if you weren't mm. an expert. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that has grown several businesses into seven and eight figure companies, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And if you ever need help with your patents and trademarks, just go to strategymeeting.com and grab some time to chat. Now today we have another great guest on the episode, Tracy and Lamore, Lamori? Lamori, yeah. Lamori, all right. Um, and so Tracy, um, it's give her a bit of a background. She kind of started off her career um, learning how to write press releases when she wrote a press release or in- information for a man on death row in 1999 um, and kind of then catapulted her career in a bit of being an activist in her 20s and working in a radio show and, do- and then also then doing full-time marketing position to kind of do that. Um, the death row, uh, death row case got some national attention and then she had a light bulb that uh, she didn't want to work for people and do press releases for people she didn't like. So she then went the freelance route and did some profiles and built a uh, client base, opened her own business and been going ever since. So with that much as an introduction, uh, welcome on the podcast, Tracy. Thank you so much. And yeah, that was all exactly right, except for the one little correction is I wasn't a publicist when I did that. I learned to write a press release. I was in marketing. And I mean, when I say that, that's even that is sounding more advanced than I was because I was in my 20s. <laughs> And I was great at communicating, but I was I was in a low level sales job, you know, selling ISO. So I wasn't doing press releases for a living. I learned to write the press release on the Alta Vista because I was so, you know, impassioned about getting the message out about an innocent man on death row. And the world mm-hmm. agreed finally he was factually innocent. It was all proven. He's been released, you mm-hmm. know, and that's all. You know, so now the world knows that that funny little light bulb moment that you mentioned happened about two years before that. So by the time he got out, we were able to, you know, greet him. Great. You're out. We had somehow. So before we let's let's as we dive into that, because there's a lot of good discussion there. Let's start your journey at that and then we can talk a little bit. Thank you for the correction, first of all. But so let's. No, I don't mean the correction. It's but it's just that (laughs) then people realize, you know, it's kind of empowering because I didn't already have those skills. I learned them on the on the on the interwebs. (laughs) Fair enough. So so let's go back to your journey. So you were working in marketing at the time, and it was back in the '90s, if I remember when we discussed. And you know, so how did you find out about the man on death row? How did you get involved, and what kind of catapulted that into deciding you wanted to write a a press release for him? So my husband, Dave Parkinson, and myself at the time, we had, when we first met, we had a radio show on 89.5 FM Toronto Radio, which was college radio, but it, you know, went throughout the whole city. So, you Mm -hmm. know, with the activist heart of of kids, we were, you know, injustices reporting on news stories that that caught our attention in our 20s. That show was no more because it had stopped, you know, a couple of years before, but then mm-hmm. the internet exploded. So now all of a sudden we still feel like, you know, we're still used to getting our messaging out. And now we have this new platform. So 
in those days you didn't need to have a lot of web skills you could just type on the netscape you know <laughs> mm. <laughs> like the like facebook now so we basically were just making collecting links and making pages so i don't know what mm. drew us to that page we certainly had no previous experience with the death penalty certainly or crime or murder or any or anything like that right but so i don't know how we found that page i think just in somehow along the you know deep dive online looking at injustices and all of a sudden oh look mm. at this husband found it it was a page where jimmy dennis who i think or i know sorry prisoners were paying to be listed and most of them were like pen pal requests or whatever which we never would have found but he was saying i'm not looking for a girlfriend i don't need a pen pal this i'm putting this is literally the only way i have to get on this internet thing and if somebody mm. could hear me i'm innocent someone else i don't know what drew us what made us write that letter i have no idea i can take it back to that moment now but we mm. did and he wrote back with 18 pages on both sides with a bunch of legal documentation, enough that even what was happening to me in the cell, even somebody looking at it with no deep dive was like, well, wait a minute, that's not right. If that's true, that's not right. You know, with the mm. documentation, the things the courts were even saying. Over another so, year, we ended up, you know, fun, mm. doing that, but we could attach our names to us actually, you know, standing beside him. Well, yeah, I believe this person is actually factually innocent. Took And we learned to write the press release, tell the world about it. Ultimately, it was slow going, but we got attention here, attention there on a worldwide level. So we developed this team. Somewhere along the line, um, a law firm came in who were looking mm. for a case of, like unicorns. It doesn't usually happen where they're just looking to go and give free 20 years if you were. But they were like looking for actual factual innocence case to do some pro bono work. And because of the buzz that has started to be created, they started to hear about from people in the know, well, go check out the Jimmy Dennis, go check out the Jimmy Dennis. And they finally, ultimately, they were the ones that freed him with the legal work. As you know, as a lawyer, it comes mm. down to court. You have to do these things, you know, activism, fine, but you need to be done in court. And he was ultimately freed. Two years before he was freed, that's when I had my light bulb moment as I'm sitting there just doing my regular marketing thing. So this is 20 mm. years into our journey. We've been mm. doing this, advocating for 20 years. We've gotten ourselves on CNN, MSNBC, all these major media talking not just about his case but about the deep uh, you know the death penalty so now let me jump in really quick there so you're you know because all this time in addition to you know working with him on press releases trying to get attention and working towards his innocence being you know an activist on his behalf you're also doing a full-time job i think it was in marketing as well as uh, doing a bit of a radio show the radio show is no more anymore, both of my husband and myself. We didn't have kids yet. We were young. And when everybody else is playing video games or watching TV, we mm. would come home after our full-time jobs. In fact, we had both of us had full-time jobs and part-time jobs three days a week in those days. Mm. So we'd come home whatever leisure time we had. And my husband and I would both sit beside each other, each on a desk, an old desktop. And we would do this work and write this stuff and, you know reach out to people and write all that stuff so yeah it was complete advocacy no one ever got paid for it no one ever would have thought to and that work ended up expanding into you know we did some deeper talk about the death penalty beyond that case that ended up again because of our messaging getting us who were not lawyers who had we were not even in america who had no real experience other than our you know our, our opinions and our mm. conversation I mean, we knew what we were talking about but i mean in terms of to hang our hat on why would you put us on court tv on msnbc on cnn and all and we did all that so it wasn't so, until 15 years later that i thought wait a minute <laughs> that's some skill so now let's dive into that a bit so, so you've been doing that for a, quite a long period of time you're working the full-time jobs working the part-time jobs you're coming home you're trying to get or continue to get attention do the activist role and then you, you know along that journey you then had the light bulb moment okay I don't want to work for people that um, 
that I don't like working for anymore, that aren't the, aren't my favorite clients. I want to choose the clients that I enjoy, that I can do the work that I enjoy. And so, you know, as you're doing that, you know, how did you make that shift or that transition? Did you quit your job one day and say, Hey, we're done. We're just going to go do our own thing. Did you, you know, take it over a period of time? Did you get a side hustle or kind of, once you had that light bulb, how did you make the transition to building your own clients? Yeah, I guess I was lucky in one way that I had, we had just come back from, you know, we, we'd, left the house behind we were living in a rental apartment trying to decide are we going to go there are we going to go there where are we going to buy for a while so it was you know really kind of transitioning and there i was with my desktop computer in the corner doing some work from home i was privileged to be able to do some work from home even though mm. i didn't like the job it wasn't the people just the iso and it was the stuff i didn't care about you know and mm. so i was you know um doing basically uh inside sales at that point for them but from home like dealing with their clients and their customers and so i was able to like transition very quickly like it wasn't like i was out of work and then i said i'm not coming in tomorrow it's like i had this bunch of work to do and i'm gonna be like yeah i'm not gonna do this finish it out but you know the way i remember it is i actually remember not making any more calls after that moment Hmm. so it's like like i think I, i had the work there but then i went over because we have the screen in front of us now that gives all of us all these tools the power we didn't have before mm. <clears throat> and i and the way i got my first clients before i ever would have thought i couldn't start a company because that wasn't my history i didn't know about starting companies and i wasn't in my comfort zone mm-hmm. i just mm. knew how to get the work right so i went to there was freelance sites elance or upwork i think it's called now i haven't used it in years but um where you could put up your best, I always say, like I said, do you like to pitch with a P, not a B, right? You can mm. put up your best pitch, explain who you are, what you can do. Then hopefully somebody was is going to give you a chance, right? And mm. through because of the power of online, there was these, you know, I guess, essentially networking tools that allowed mm. me to meet the people that would hire. I was able to convince the first few people, hire me, here I am at home, I'm going to do this for you. And then so I, I really quickly was able, and people can too, by being smart and finding out what resources are available, transition, you know, almost in a weekly basis, almost like instantly from mm. getting that income to finding a little side. And I guess it was a side at first when I first used it. Um, so, and that's what I was going to ask is, so when you're doing now, you're doing freelancer work, you're kind of doing that on the side, you're get, trying to build a bit of a client base, build a profile, get the reviews and whatnot. Were you still working a full-time job at that point? Or did you just said, Hey, I'm going to go no, freelance or go all no, in? Not at all. Cause I had been doing it. It just literally when I didn't, I don't remember making any calls after that. I was working full-time doing outgoing and I had to work at my desk and because mm. I was doing it from home. Right. So I'm there. I'm not like physically having it. It's just, I probably, it was probably a structure where I had to do so much work that week, not day by day, you know? So mm. I had to, so instead I just started, I just changed my focus. Literally. No, I'm not going to do that anymore. It was literally that. That's why I say light bulb moment. It wasn't a trend. It was literally like, huh, wait mm. a minute. Well, wait a minute. I like, it's like when it hit me that those were actually marketable is it sounds crazy. Right. But it's for years and years I've been writing press releases, going on TV, getting into, but I was for active. I was, I thought of myself as an advocate, as an activist, not mm. as someone, you know, so it was our message. I wasn't, I never thought about it as, Oh, wait a minute. I could be hired to create messaging for people, you know? Mm. And then once I, once that moment happened, I had every confidence in the world that I could do it because I had been doing it for 15 years. Mm. Right. I can say, look, I, I, you know, even they don't, whether I've been paid for it or not, I got us on CNN, MSNBC, all those things. Want me to do that for you? So I only Mm. had to convince one person 
to hmm. ch- take a chance on me. And that's tr- true probably for every entrepreneur, not that dramatic story, but whatever your skill is, whatever your thing is, you really need to convince yourself first that you're that, per- you know, that you can do that. Hmm. And, and, and then one person that you can do it and then do that and then get that client and you start to build that reputation. So now let me or follow up. So, I mean, so you went out and did a freelance, you said, okay, I'm all in. I'm going to build my freelancer reputation, I'm going to build a profile, going to do everything I need to, to, to really get the work to come in, you know, before, or how long, and you know, cause some of those pro- platforms, when I've looked at, you know, you kind of have, it's ones where at least when you start out, you're having to do it as a, as a cut or a cut rate, or you're going to have to be, you know, very competitive on price to try and get that reputation to get that reviews and to be able to warn a, a larger price. So how long was it as you're going along that, that road or, you know, that journey before you were able to, you know, demand the higher price or in other words, you were able to build enough of a client base or reputation. I think a lot of that is mindset because what I've learned, I could have done that way earlier. I had mm. built enough of a reputation and the skill to do way to, to increase my price, not just on those because I left those sites very quickly and I never mm. went super low. I always had enough respect for my work that I said, here's what I can do. I didn't go bottom barrel. I mm. went like in the reason, you know what I mean? Then I got one or two and then, you know, more. But mm. then I left those aside very quickly because once I, I just started, you know, using the social media, using mm. LinkedIn effectively. Once I had done a couple of projects, I could point to some press releases, you know, mm. and then, but, but your question's a really good one. And I find it because even today, and I talk about that when I do podcasts is how we price ourselves as entrepreneurs. I find it's, you know, a huge thing for a lot of us. And we mm. have that fear. I'm over that now. I mean, now I've got a resume this long and I could go and it's true. I could go and only get the Hollywood projects or only get almost anybody who looks at my resume. Now, if they're interested in PR, I'm in the running, you know, so I don't have to mm. compete the way I used to, but mm. still we all have that. We still, so I'm learning not to now, but it took a long, long transition of my business consultant pounding me over the head, telling me I'm ridiculous because like, look at the, <laughs> that I wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm not operating like a seat. I mm. felt like, you know, owner of a company that's there to make money. I'm a sucker for this story of, oh, I have a great message, but maybe I'll, you know, all you have to do is be like, oh, well, I'll, and then I'm like, I used to be like, oh, I can give you a three. So I'm like giving you budgets, giving you deals before because I was stuck in that activist mode. But now this mm. is a service I'm providing and I had so, to learn. So now let, follow up. So now you, so you do that for a period of time and say, okay, I'm not going to be, you know, cut rate or I'm not going to go to a race to the bottom and I'm going to be still competitive on pricing. And then you build it and to the point that now, you know, you have a client base, a clientele, you don't have to, you know, people are almost coming to you. You have that reputation and get referrals. So as you're building that now, if you're to take kind of taking that to where you're at today, you know, where's, where do you see, you know, what are you doing today and where do you see the next, you know, six to 12 months taking you? So all my business, all right, 80% of my business now for real, if not more is repeat clients and referrals. So part of it, I know what I'm going to be doing in the next year, you know, who I'm going to be working with, but then all of that business always just piles on. I never know who's going to come to me, who's going to come to me. And I still find interesting projects on LinkedIn. All of a sudden, for example, I found an interesting project on LinkedIn in October, just connected with another power lady. Turns out she's mm. got three TV shows in eight different cities in the, or countries in the continent in Africa. She's coming over here to do an international version of one of them, Shiro's. Mm. All of a sudden now we, I'm you know placing all my clients in it. And then she asked me to be the executive producer. So that came out of nowhere through a one minute LinkedIn conversation. Now I'm executing, executive producing you know, a series focusing on amazing women around the world, as well as the PR stuff. So who knows what could develop as a result of that? And that's going to take me 
once the world opens up, apparently I'm going to go to Ghana with that project. And I had another project, you know, film Secret of Svalbard, or sorry, television series, a Canadian, a US, Canadian UK co-production that's in development. Mm -hmm. So there's all this stuff. And these literally happen like on a dime. So just fascinating, interesting, usually international projects that cause me to be able to travel and leave, you know, Hamilton mm -hmm. Mountain and go more exciting places, though I don't know right now with the all these lockdown and things where I'll physically be, but you know, mm. even while we've been in all lockdown, I've been all over the world and panels and podcasts and meeting interesting people. And, you know, so I, who knows? So now going to kind of uh, taking this next six to 12 months, it sounds like the kind of the plan and projections are going, you're going to continue to go on the road of building, getting reputations, working for clients and just kind of overall expanding the business. Is that a, is that a fair summary? Yeah, and also a big thing, a big goal for this year that, I, you know, we just incorporated. So we're still getting our heads around the difference between being a, a partnership and an incorporation and all the new reporting and mm -hmm. all that stuff, right? Which for a non-business-minded person is good. But the next goal, I would like to become more a job creator because I have no problem getting contracts. I could get mm -hmm. 10 more contracts tomorrow. I could get mm -hmm. 20 contracts tomorrow. No word of a lie. That's not hard. It, the world is my way. Like, it's the whole world that I can work in. That's English-speaking. Mm -hmm. It's and, and across industries, but I but then I can only take on right now as much as you know the two of us that are here can work, and that yeah. whole hiring people is a whole other thing. I really want to do it, but that's a whole other education for me. And mm. you know, I, so that I hope to go there. I really hope to become a not just one or two people, but I would love to be able to get an understanding in my head about how to do that, so that mm. I can expand and really you know share the share the wealth, share the job. People need work. This is good work, and there's a lot of it available. Well, I think that's awesome. It sounds like a fun trajectory, and right now it sounds like it'll be fun for you and your husband. Continue to grow it, continue to bring on clients that you like, and then maybe sometime down the road is to bring on some employees. But that's a whole other uh, thing to tackle and a whole other lesson to learn. Yeah. So. <laughs> Well, so, as we, as, and as, so as we start to wrap up the podcast and, you know, I always ask two questions at the end of each podcast. So we'll jump to those now. First question I always ask is, so along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? Um, taking people at face value, I guess, you know, I'm not stupid, but a lot of times, you know, I'm honest and a lot of people show me that there is some great thing. And I, I mean, about themselves, I feel like I know them and I like them. And mm. sometimes people have, mental health issues or other agenda or something comes out later i don't know that you didn't realize and then mm. especially when you're working with them and representing them that could become problematic so you mm. you know want to make sure you're not taking on any you know long contacts with people that you don't under 100 know where they're going where they stand that you're in alignment with them that you can ethically mm. continue to represent them feeling good about yourself and ethically serving your client because you believe in what they're saying so mm. what I learned is I'm not quite sure how to, you know, make sure that that never happens again, but I learned mm. to be more, definitely more um, thinking about that, more cautious. And I always was in terms of, are we aligned? Because I would never mm. work with someone I wasn't aligned with. But sometimes you may think you are because you're looking at one aspect, but, you know, you're not, you don't necessarily see the whole picture. And then once you do, do more due diligence, <laughs> something might have popped up that showed you, ooh, mm. they may be problematic to work with, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I mean, and part of the, you know, it's always, 
as an entrepreneur, the one sense, I think, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs are very savvy and they understand, you know, they make good business decisions. And yet a lot of times, and I myself included, I would always think, hey, everybody will work as hard as I will. They will be as honest as I will. They'll be as vested and everything else. And the honest truth is very seldom is that the case in the sense that nobody's invested in your business. No one's going to work as hard to make and take care of it because it's not theirs. And so I think, you know, learning who to trust and how to trust and how to, you know, delegate that trust is always a, a learning curve. And, a, you know, one that uh, is often made along the way. So now the second question I always ask is, so if you're talking now to someone that's uh, just getting into a startup or small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? I always say, me, you know, think about media because um, as entrepreneurs, you think about advertising, but mm. you do not think about media. 80%, 90% of entrepreneurs don't even think about it. And they're not familiar with a, a ton of opportunities that are even free. I'm talking about earned media that are mm. free with a little investment of time, you know, to look to see what, not just putting out press releases, but to look at some of those resources that we talked about that are free, like Arrow and those kind of things to see mm. where media is looking resources where you might be a source don't be afraid to put a lot of that's mindset too is mm. people think of people being quoted or people on the you know on the award stage is somebody else and they're just they're just but that you you're an expert too you wouldn't be doing what you're doing if you weren't mm. an expert don't be afraid to put yourself out there no i think that's great advice and you know both take advantage of free resources, put yourself out there, explore what is, you know, what options are, what possibilities. And rather than pigeonhole is to, you got to do it one way or you think of it one way. I, I, I like that um, advice as well. Well, as we wrap up and people want to, they want to find out more about you. They want to use your, um, you know, PR re, or, or, you know, um, publishing re, or, or publishing services. They want to find out more about, you know, what other service you offer. They want to be an employee. They want to be an investor. They want to be your next best friend. Any or all of the above, what's well, the best way to, what's the yeah. best way to connect or, uh, or connect up to you or find out more? So I live on Facebook, the Tracy Lamari. If you have my spelling, my name right there, they can find me. I'm the only one um, mm. on Instagram, Tracy Lamari PR media, mm. uh, media.com is my website under development still, but it's up there right now. You can see it. Um, mm. And what else? Lamoripr gmail.com and I'm happy to do a you know 20 minute and a half hour free consult. If anyone heard all this, it's like, yeah, media, but I bet you couldn't get me in. I'm happy to talk to you about you know you specifically what you do, what what we would do to get you in media, the listener, right. you know, if they're interested. So awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, find out more, and uh make sure to uh support uh support you in all that you do. So well as Thank we wrap so up. Much. Thank you for being on. Now, if you're a listener and you want to, you have your own journey to tell, feel free to uh, go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the podcast. If you're a listener, also make sure to click subscribe to get notifications, all the episodes come out and leave us a review if you can. And last but not least, if you ever need help with patents or trademarks, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time for with us to chat. Thank you again, Tracy, and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you so much. Bye.